This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. You know, today, actually, we're eating something that, at least when I first think about this thing, Actually, we're not eating it. We're just talking about it. <laughs> but when, I, when I first think of it, I always we can't think of it have any. in its raw form. But it's yeah. also often cooked. And it is. We'll talk about that. Sprouts. We're talking sprouts. about sprouts. Yeah. All sprouts. kinds of sprouts. Yeah. Alfalfa, soybean, mung bean. We're not going to be talking about like, you know, getting into the nitty gritties of sprouting stuff at home or how you would do that or whatever, because I don't want to. I mean, it probably involves like a damp cloth or yeah. something. Well, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But um, yeah, we're going to be <laughs> mostly talking about, uh, you know, like how, how, we, how you use these sprout things. Okay, let's sprout our way onto memory lane. So Matthew, I think that my first encounter with alfalfa sprouts yeah. came... In a sandwich, as I think most people's first encounter with alfalfa sprouts arrives. I, I could believe sandwich or or like a salad with with various like seeds in it. Mm-hmm. So I remember uh, we did an episode once where I mentioned this like defunct health food store in Oklahoma City called The Earth. Absolutely remember this. Really yes. good carob brownies. Anyway, they definitely probably probably last time I said I don't believe you, and I still don't believe you. Uh, they had you know sandwiches that they would make on site, like on some sort of very like seeded. Uh, sandwich bread. And of course, there was like grated carrot. There was some sort of like white cheese, Havarti or provolone or something. And there was always alfalfa sprouts on that sandwich. And I think that that was my first time. Oh, and avocado. You got to have avocado. Where where you have sprouts on a sandwich, you must have avocado. But uh, hold on. Well, do you want to jump in with with a memory lane and then I'll come back with a later one? Sure. Yeah. I mentioned to Wife the Show Lori last night that we were doing a sprouts episode and and that I was going to mention that uh, my standard lunchbox sandwich when I was in elementary school was a peanut butter and alfalfa sprout sandwich. No. Oh, yes. No. Yes. What? This, later, later, there was some peanut butter and honey action, but, but how a did lot. this? Ha- this seems so crunchy. So my parents were hippies. Well, but I went to I went to a hippie elementary school. Peanut butter and alfalfa sprout. Have you had it 
as an adult? No. Have you had it lately? Well, it might be good. I, I mean, I think it kind of probably is because like like they have the alfalfa sprouts have a nice crunchy texture that I'm sure goes well with like a I'm sure it was like an Adam's, you know, natural peanut butter. Uh, and uh, but I don't think I want it. Okay. Fair and enough. also, I remember sometimes I don't think my parents would ever get carob, but it was like a snack that like like little like carob bites were a thing that I remember. And I remember thinking as a kid, this sucks. And like when I'm a grown up, I'm only going to have real chocolate. And so far, I have stuck to that. <laughs> good job, good job. Way to be consistent. I have to mention, I think my most memorable encounter with sprouts, which I wrote about in my first book, A Homemade Life. So. When I worked at Whole Foods uh, at the sandwich counter, I think this would have been like summer of 1999, there were a number of customers, mostly uh, male identifying, as far as I could Mm -hmm. tell, who would come in literally every night and get their dinner from like the Whole Whole Foods prepared foods case, like rotisserie chicken and brown rice and stuff like that. One of the guys who came in every single night at some point, I mean, I think I was enough of an idiot that I think I probably was like accidentally flirting with him because he was like talking with me and it was fun to have somebody pay attention to me. He wound up asking me on a date. And this sounds familiar. Okay. Yeah. He lived like on this road that went up toward Mount Tam and it was very wooded. And he lived in this like incredible like tree house. He was like a new age music producer or something. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Anyway. I can't believe you're not still together. I can't believe that I didn't like uh, that something gravely awful didn't happen to me because I was young enough and stupid enough that I drove to this man's house like a total stranger. First date. We're like in the woods and I walk into his house and he shows me to a tatami table. He was not Asian. (laughs) Okay. Sure. There he had a tatami table and an is it an erdu, the one stringed Chinese instrument? I'll take your word for it. Well, anyway, he had been taking lessons on playing this Chinese stringed instrument. But anyway, he showed me into the kitchen and was super proud that that morning he had gone to the farmer's market and he had bought, I think, five different kinds of sprouts to assemble a salad for me. And this was the entirety of the dinner. He (gasps) took a plate and like carefully with chopsticks arranged piles of sprouts on my plate with a few halved cherry tomatoes and like a drizzle of olive oil and balsamic vinegar and then did the same for himself and we went and sat at his tatami table and ate this completely unsatisfying meal and and later he went on to found noma <laughs> That sounds right. Yeah, there was also reindeer liver. Uh, No, not really. But anyway, yeah, I lived to tell. I think I went home and I had a bagel with cream cheese or a peanut butter sandwich or something because I was starving. And that was our first and only date. And it was doomed from the start. But I lived. That was it awkward then in the store after that? Like when he came in? I don't think so. Okay, good. I I think that like, I think that he was respectful enough of like my boundaries that when I was at his house, we were just kind of like friends. 
Good for and him. So okay, I think the good. fact that it didn't <laughs> good good for him for doing for the bare bare for... minimum to be a decent person. Yeah, good for him for not <laughs> like guy. Let's give him doing some kind of anything metal. violent or yeah. uh, abusive. Wow. <laughs> yeah, or or like a, <laughs> terrorizing you at work after that. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I think we just kind of were friends after that. Good. Okay. Great. Yeah. So that story actually ends really well, but the sprouts were they were fine. They were fine. So I, I intended to go to the farmer's market yesterday and come back with five kinds of sprouts because there is absolutely a five kinds of sprouts stand at the Broadway farmer's market in Seattle. They were mm-hmm. not there yesterday, so I didn't I didn't get any sprouts. And then and then you didn't come over today. So it's so it's just as well because I would have been stuck with a lot of sprouts. Yeah, sorry. But no, no, it's fine. It all worked out. My other sprout memory lane. Actually, I've got a couple in Japan involving uh, sauteed or stir fried bean sprouts. Do you remember? So the first time I think I had uh, stir fried bean sprouts in Japan was at Sato Steakhouse, which is a steakhouse in Kichijoji that I went with uh, Teenager of the Show December in 2012 on mm-hmm. our first first major trip to Japan. And uh, we, we got steak, of course, and it comes with just some very simply sauteed vegetables, including bean sprouts that are kind of sauteed in the steak juices. And mm. these were so good. December had no interest in them. So I like took all of theirs and it was like the best thing on the plate. And the steak was very good. Mm. Um, and then when you and I, our first trip to Tokyo, we went to a uh, soup dumpling place in Koenji. I remember. And we got a, a dish that is very common in, in Japan that's uh, stir-fried bean sprouts, garlic chives, and a little bit of pork for flavor. It was so good. that dish so was good. so good. It was so good. And the good. bean sprouts are really the star of the dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so, okay, we're, we're going to come back around to talking about ways that different sprouts are used in different cuisines. Mm-hmm. But first, I just want to, you know, I think <laughs> really until recently, it never occurred to me like what sprouts actually were or where they came from. Okay. Uh, so basically, they're seeds, alfalfa seeds, for instance, or a bean that is germinated for the purpose of consumption. So uh, people like to do this for nutrition because, mm-hmm. especially in the case of beans, sprouting makes them more nutritious. And we'll talk about how that is okay. in a second. Basically, all you need is like seeds or beans, water, a jar, maybe like a mesh top on the jar or a muslin covering. This all sounds right to me. I've never yeah. done it, but I, you know what? I probably did do this like in preschool. <laughs> well, um, Anyway, I, yeah, I think that we definitely did do it like a science experiments and stuff, right? But as you can imagine, there's like a real tendency for mold and bacterial growth and rot and stuff because they need moisture and warmth. Sounds like fun. Anyway, you can sprout any viable seed, basically. Uh, But of course, some should not be eaten raw. Like you should not eat kidney bean sprouts. Because like kidney beans have to be have to be pretty well cooked to be digestible, right? That's right. And I think also that like the seeds of, I don't know, tomatoes or eggplant or something, I think you're not supposed to eat those sprouts either. Okay. Like it it never even occurred to me that like those would be sprouts. Yeah. (laughs) But I guess, yeah, anything sprouts. Right. Sure. I mean, think about like the whole microgreens phenomenon. Sure. You know, I think about it a lot. I think about it all the time. I can't stop thinking about it. Those greens are so little. Oh, they're so cute. I'm I'm waiting for nano greens to to come along. (laughs) 
Uh, bean sprouts are, of course, very common, common ingredient around the world. Uh, but people also like, you know, to sprout alfalfa, to sprout oats, uh, sprouting brown rice, uh, sprouted quinoa. Uh, sprouting is part of the process of malting barley. I did know that. that like you, you like you like sprout the seed and then like immediately like I don't what, know. like roast it. I don't know. I think you roast it. Maybe. One tablespoon of alfalfa seeds can yield up to three full cups of sprouts. Wow. And it only takes like a week. Isn't that crazy? Should we be doing this? What about what, what about chia pets? Hold on. I want to talk for a minute because so it drives me nuts when we when we see like things about like sprouting makes things more nutritious or whatever because <laughs> I want that voice to come back, please. Anyway, but but I was really interested actually in finding the reason for this, like I, if it's yeah, actually I'm true. Too. So it, it, this actually makes sense to me. So during sprouting, a lot of the complex compounds that are in the seed or the bean or whatever are broken down into a simpler form, which makes them obviously more digestible. Uh, but sprouting also causes enzymes to get working. So it results in ultimately the, the amount of starches decreasing in the seed sure and an increase in protein fat and fiber right because like in the seed like these things are in in like you know storage form so exactly. that they're they're like uh they want to like pack as much energy as, as they can in there but in a form that isn't like readily usable and now they're in like growth mode and they need to like unlock those things and start putting them into the sprout i totally. assume yeah, and so like if you sprout because <laughs> cool, I made that up. <laughs> if you sprout cereal grains, I mean I think that's yeah. part of it, Matthew, but if you sprout cereal grains, it improves their like vitamin content in part because vitamins are actually produced as the sprout grows. I think I have a tendency to forget that like living things generate these nutrients like mm -hmm. from scratch. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So there's a part of me that's like, oh, well, how can a sprout possibly be more nutritious than a seed? But of course, <laughs> like it's got enzymes. It's got all kinds of stuff that's being activated to make other things. What's in the it. name of this new character? <laughs> Molly. <laughs> Molly. Molly Sprout. Molly Sprout. So there are like real reasons why these things are thought of as being nutritious. So we should all eat unlimited quantities of them all the time, right? So I saw on Wikipedia that you probably shouldn't eat more than about a pound of sprouts a day. <laughs> or what? Or what are they uh, going to do to me? I'm not sure. I also wanted to point out, because uh, this is interesting too, if we're talking about bean sprouts, that sprouting reduces toxins and other like anti-nutritional compounds that are often found in raw legumes. Okay. So why, why do they have to be so anti-nutritional? Is, is it because they're mean? That was a term I found on, on Wikipedia, and I couldn't think of another term to replace no, it. No, no, I, I get it. Yeah. So I did the research for today's episode, but you had written a question on the agenda when I opened it up. And my question is this. Are sprouts dangerous? Let me take that again. Are okay. sprouts dangerous? What have you heard about sprouts? I've heard that they're a great way to get food poisoning. Ah, uh, you're right, Matthew. <laughs> yes. So here's the thing. Yeah, they are dangerous. The CDC lists raw alfalfa and bean sprouts among the foods most likely to cause food poisoning. And they have definitely caused outbreaks of salmonella and E. coli. And the reason is, yeah, why? You know, we, so we just talked about the way that they grow, right? They mm. grow best in warm, 
very moist conditions, which can lead to the growth of germs. And then are often eaten raw. And then are often eaten raw. That's okay. right. So, uh, yeah, cooking sprouts can thoroughly kill any harmful germs, but sprouts, at least alfalfa sprouts, are not often served cooked. Apparently, contamination also often tends to come from the seeds. Like if they're grown, if they're like brought in from fields, I mean, I suppose they could come in with any kind of bacteria or whatever on them, which then just sure. grows like wildfire grows in wet and moist conditions. I mean, okay. warm and moist conditions. So, so other than cooking, is there anything we can do about this? Yes, Yes. So, uh, you know, I think if you if you're immune compromised or if you are really worried about it, you could do the old thing where you mix up a really diluted bleach solution, like according to the, you know, the bleach bottle label. But the CDC feels that it is fine to just wash your produce well in water. OK. Yeah. So, I, I mean, there's I feel no like guarantee. That would, make, that would make my sprouts kind of moist. <laughs> I think it would. But think about like bean sprouts. I mean, those, yeah, sure. you, like you can, you could lay that out on a towel and blot, 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 blot. Okay. But of course, if you're also- I feel also, weird if you're about be, putting bleach on my, on my produce, although it's probably fine in dilute form. I feel weird about it too, but I think a lot of people do it. I mean, maybe okay. especially people who are undergoing chemotherapy sure. or things where they really have to be careful. So I don't know, you know, uh, I feel like if I'm going to get food poisoning- I really would like it to be from something more like a real know, juicy bird. Va va voom <laughs> than uh, than an alfalfa sprout. Yeah. That said, if if you're if you're using bean sprouts or whatever, those you may be cooking. I often do. So then you don't have to worry about it. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Let's talk about cooking sprouts, because I okay. think everybody is aware that alfalfa sprouts exist, and you can find them <laughs> at a salad bar. You can put them you on a peanut butter them, sandwich. Put them on a peanut butter sandwich. You can put them on any kind of sandwich. But what about like uh, like soybean sprouts? I bought some and, and cooked them just the other day. How do we know if we've got soybean sprouts? Okay, they'll be labeled. So the, compared to mung bean sprouts, soybean sprouts are, they're like thicker and hardier and they have like a yellow soybean stuck to the end of them. Oh, Like okay. not that mung bean sprouts don't ever have a mung bean, but the soybean sprout is, it's like bigger and heavier than a mung bean. Okay. So um, you can, you can, they, they look quite different. Like if you go to, if you go to, especially to a Korean market, but like probably a, like a Japanese market also, you will, they will have both and you, and you, once you've like compared them once, you won't mix them up. They both look like bean sprouts, but they cook up. They 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 you know cook quite differently in the kitchen. And so, how do soybean sprouts cook up? The way that I have used soybean sprouts is really only like to make uh, kong namul uh, muchim is is uh, the Korean the Korean term uh, okay. to go on bibimbap or as a side dish. Uh, okay. And you start by boiling them for ten to twenty minutes. That long? Yeah. 
you know, you really you really want to like soften them up a little, and then and then toss okay. them with uh, with like some uh, garlic, uh, soy sauce, sesame oil. And so, would those be served as like like banchan? Yeah, absolutely, or as a okay. topping for for bibimbap, which is like you know banchan on rice. Yeah. So uh, according to Wikipedia, soybean sprouts may have been eaten in Korea since the Three Kingdoms period, which was like, oh, that's which was like 60 BC to like 700 AD. I that's, mean, that's when a long Korea time was ago. ruled by George Clooney, Mark Wahlberg and Ice Cube, right? <laughs> oh, it was Epiphany. Yes. Yeah, wow, the Three Kings. Three Kings, two weeks in a row. Let's see how we can work it in next time. Okay. Anyway, uh, soybean sprouts also show up in a Korean medical text from the 1200s. Okay. Many sources refer to them as being one of the main foods consumed during times of famine in Asia. And yeah, I mean, they, they show up all over Korean cooking in particular, uh, stir fried on top of bibimbap, as you mentioned, there are like fried rice dishes Mm -hmm. involving these, these things, uh, soups. And apparently in contemporary South Korea, this is according to Wikipedia, there is a spicy pork bulgogi dish made with a large number of soybean sprouts. Uh, Will you pronounce it for us, Matthew? Is this kongnamul bulgogi? Kongnamul bulgogi or kongbul. Popular among young people. Sure. Why wouldn't it be? I have I have had that dish and it was very good. What about mung bean sprouts? Okay. So how are these going to be different? So if you think bean sprouts and you're not sure which kind you've had and it was not in a Korean restaurant, probably it was mung bean sprouts. So like on on top of or mixed into your pod thai is going to be mung bean sprouts. Oh, okay. They're they're okay. much much lighter in texture than uh, than soybean sprouts to the extent that like you can just kind of toss them with your hot noodles and and they'll wilt a little bit and and will be delicious. And they are also what might be on top of pho. Yes. In a Vietnamese restaurant. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're great like uh, I love them like uh, they're often an ingredient in uh, in like a miso ramen. Really good. Mhm. Okay. So yeah, I think that what I've been thinking of as like just general bean sprouts is mung bean sprouts then. I I was interested to see on Wikipedia that they can be sprouted either in light or dark conditions. And there are reasons why you would want to do one or the other. Okay. I didn't know that. Let's hear it. The mung beans that are sprouted in the dark will be crisper in texture and whiter, which I guess is the case of like commercially available Chinese bean sprouts, but they have less nutritional content than ones grown in the sun. Growing them in full sunlight is apparently not recommended because it can cause them to overheat or dry out. (laughs) Okay, I'll stop doing that. Growing them in the full sun? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, you know, it doesn't say anything about like what's the alternative to the dark conditions. Clearly, we don't (laughs) want to put them in the full sun. I guess they're a partial shade plant. Well, I mean, in my basement, like I've got a bunch of grow, grow lamps and I'm like growing some stuff down there. So maybe I'll maybe I'll put in some some bean sprouts. This isn't true. Apparently, subjecting the sprouts to pressure, I guess, as they're growing, uh, like by placing a weight on top of them in their sprouting container will result in larger, crunchier sprouts similar to those sold okay. in grocery stores. So, you know, if, if you are, if, if you are sprouting at home, man. I'm, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm maybe. sprouting at home. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think you know what I mean. Gross. Um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of weirdly in love with mung bean sprouts. Like when M2M Market opened in my neighborhood, the uh, H-Mart uh, variant, mm-hmm. one of the things I was most excited about was like, 
I can get mung bean sprouts anytime I need them because That's they stopped so selling. They sell them now again at Safeway, I think, but they, for a while they didn't have them at Safeway or QFC. And like, I wanted to make pod thai often. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I'm happy for me too. It's It's been great. Is there anything else we want to say about about sprouts? Yes, I added I added a a, a last minute dark horse sprout to the agenda. Possibly Ooh, after you printed. Uh, sorry, I printed my agenda too early. Okay, well you're go about, ahead, Matthew. You're about to get blindsided with this with this uh, sprout action. Okay, uh, daikon sprouts, kaiwade in Japanese. Okay. Uh, available at Japanese, Korean, other Asian supermarkets. I wouldn't be surprised if they were sold at like a Whole Foods or something. Uh, they're usually sold in like a plastic clamshell that you like peel the top off and pull. Yeah. Oh, I have had these in yes. at sushi restaurants. And they have yes, like a little sure. little couple of leaves at the top of each sprout. Yeah. And they and really taste a lot like radishes. Yes. They got a wonderful like kind of peppery radish flavor and good crunch. They're great on uh, my favorite way to have them is on uh, the cold noodle dish, Hiyashi Chuka. Uh, uh-huh. Which is like cold, cold ramen with a very tart broth and uh, and various ingredients on top, like sprouts, usually some like sliced ham, daikon, egg, so on. They're great in tamaki hand rolls. They're mm. they're found in salads. Really good ingredient to know about. I think that they show up in pretty much uh, all salmon skin rolls. If you if you ever get salmon skin hand rolls, uh, yes, absolutely love those. Great. Uh, okay. Well, Matthew, thank you for adding that. I loved being blindsided. It was a really nice way to be blindsided. But wait, I've got another sprout. No, I, I don't. What? No, no. I don't. Okay. Uh, Matthew, do we have any segments today? Sure we do. We've got some spilled mail. And it comes to us from listener Yuna, who writes... Hi, Molly and Matthew. I hope you guys are having a lovely week. Molly, my warmest congratulations to the newest addition to your family. Oh, thank you. A question for you guys. With inflation and grocery prices kicking everyone's butt, I would like to pick your brain on your recipes that are cheap but still edible. There are no standards. For example, lettuce smoothies. I did not write this. Listener, that Yuna is wrote this. not where I thought this was going to go. <laughs> Send you all my love. Best, Yuna. There are no standards. No for standards. For example, lettuce smoothies. Okay, I mean, to be fair, Listener, Yuna was right. Like, writing into our show, like, if you have no standards, we are the people to ask. Yeah, for sure. But on the other hand, we weren't going to recommend lettuce smoothies. Okay, Matthew, let's go back and forth. Okay. Uh, Okay, I've got one right off the bat. Yeah. So beans and greens. Yes. Uh, I try to always have chickpeas in the house. I mean, a, a can of chickpeas. And I, I really like, you know, sort of like Progresso, uh, that kind of like mainstream brand of canned chickpeas. I yeah. think they're much tastier than like health foodie brands. Uh, yeah, all you need is like two cans of chickpeas and a head of escarole. You probably maybe already have some bouillon or some chicken broth around, maybe a little garlic. And you are good to go for dinner. Yeah. Uh, also, if you happen to have dried chickpeas, even cheaper way mm-hmm. to go. I was also going to talk um, about chickpeas. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So I think kind of like, I, I want to take a step back here and say like, if you really are in a position where you you want or need to save money on food, you're going to be cooking food like daily. And so I don't think the approach of like, you know, I'm going to make this inexpensive dish and this other unrelated inexpensive dish and this thing, like that is a good way to drive yourself nuts and like, you know, be shopping all the time and probably not save any money. And what you really want to do is sort of like find like a track you can get on where you are making related dishes from a cuisine that lends itself to to inexpensive meals. And Mm. so the thing I would recommend is like, and it doesn't have to be like this specific cuisine 
magazine or this specific book, but obviously you're not going to be cooking a lot of meat if you're looking to save money, certainly. Vegetarian and like semi-vegetarian Indian food is incredibly flavorful and, you know, satisfying and delicious and based on very cheap ingredients. And so- And like bulked out with rice yes. too. So if you have an instant pot, like I love the book Indian Food Under Pressure by Ashley Singh Thomas. The the dish that immediately came to mind when I read this question was, uh, was her chana masala, which makes a huge amount, starts with like, you know, one bag of chickpeas that probably cost $2 uh, and adds a bunch of spices and a little bit of canned tomato and an onion. And uh, you serve it with some rice and like the, the cost per serving is going to be negligible and the flavor is enormous. You can put in a little yogurt if you want. And then once you've got, you know, you are probably, if you haven't made something like this before, you are probably going to be buying some new spices, which you can then use to make like 15 other inexpensive vegetarian recipes from her book. I would say the same thing goes for uh, for a number of like either sort of uh, like Chinese American or Japanese inspired dishes that I make regularly. So my family will have, I don't know, some sort of something over rice. Let's say it could be like chana masala or something. And then the next night I will turn the leftover rice into fried rice. And I feel like I've got my fried rice kind of down Mm -hmm. to a, a formula at this point. I always make sure I have bacon in the freezer and I just basically cut cut off like frozen strips of bacon and start my fried rice with bacon. So I've always got that in the freezer. I've always got carrots. I've always got frozen peas. I've always got some sort of green soy sauce, a little bit of MSG maybe if you want, some sugar, some salt, some kind of onion, scallion, great, but you've probably got onion. There you go. You've got a second meal. Oh, and eggs, eggs in there too. Oh yeah. Second meal. So yeah, I always try to make more rice than I need because you can always make a whole dinner out of fried rice using whatever you've got in the fridge. Yeah. And thing I would say, if you are comfortable buying inexpensive meat or buying meat in bulk, like buying a whole pork shoulder, like this is something that like if you shop at a like a Safeway will sometimes go on sale for like 99 cents a pound and you can like grind some of it and, uh, you know, stir fry and serve it over rice or make like a, a, a homemade sausage really quickly. Uh, you can turn some of it into carnitas. You can like braise some of it and do something else. Like it goes a really long way and it's very good. Okay. Hold on. There are a couple other yeah. things I wanted to say. If you go to Wendy's, there's the four for four. <laughs> You know, I was going to say that I also think um, that I have been able to save some money in my cooking by leaning hard on my freezer. Yeah. By saving things in my freezer. But don't lean so hard on it that it falls over and crushes. No, but like by saving like little bits and bobs to make stock or whatever. um, And also by like buying things when they're on sale. like. Or like, you know, when you buy hamburger buns, for instance, Mm -hmm. right? It always comes with like eight hamburger buns. Well, my family has three people who eat meals. One <laughs> yeah. one person who is not yet eating anything solid. So I, if I'm really like on top of it and I just stick my hamburger buns right back in the freezer, I've got like at least one more meal out of that without like letting it go to waste or mold. Absolutely. Good old bits and bobs Weisenberg. <laughs> I feel like these are all really obvious things, but they do require yeah. like thinking one step ahead. You should you should like like promote Ames to to burger status. <laughs> so so then <laughs> you, you can have, you can like serve four from- four burgers, freeze freeze four, and let's serve four more burgers. <laughs> um, listener Yuna, thank you so much for this question. Hey Molly, what you snacking? Hey, what you snacking? 
You gotta tell me what you're snacking Or I'll release the Kraken So what you snacking Ooh, I, I know I've already mentioned this, but uh, when I was sitting around yesterday looking at, at this agenda and thinking, like, what is the point of what you snack in, right? Like, what, what kinds point? of things are worthy of being mentioned? I have to, again, say how perfect crunchy Cheetos are. And I don't understand why Cheetos puffs are the ones that tend to get more, like, airtime, shelf space, etc. I don't know if they are, because, like, Aren't like flaming well, hot the, the most flamin popular, hot. and those are and those are crunchy. Oh, maybe you're right. But, but maybe the but maybe flaming hot have like have like like started to push out the non flaming crunchy. I I feel like uh, the flaming hot ones are fine, but the regular crunchy Cheeto, I can't get enough of it. They're so good. I buy two bags at a time, and and Ash and I absolutely just decimate them. Yeah, sure, so of course. I, I feel like it's like the the exact kind of thing I want when I'm cooking. Like I'll pour a little tiny bowl of Cheetos and I'm just like Absolutely. It's fantastic. A um, moment of pure pleasure. I've got a new snack that uh, was something something that uh, wife of the show Lori brought home from the co-op um, and it is Moonshot Snacks brand sourdough sea salt crackers and they really look and and taste like a good homemade cracker. Like there's something mm. very like rustic about them. Like like looks. I don't think they were actually docked by hand with a fork, but that sort of cracker, um, mm-hmm. and really good sourdough flavor. And they remind me a little bit of. Uh, we used to get these uh, cookie uh, cookies. We used to get these crackers uh, that were Whole Foods 365 brand sourdough crackers that were very tasty. And I don't think mm. they've made them in a while. Or like also we don't really go to Whole Foods anymore. But these uh, Moonshot ones really good. Cool. Uh, Matthew, I think that you have a now, but wow. I do. And it is uh, an article in the New York Times from a great food writer that you're probably already familiar with, Lagaya Mishan. It's called Why Do American Diners Have Such a Limited Palette for Textures? Yeah. And it is a it's a long article about uh, why American diners mostly just want to eat crunchy Cheetos. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> guilty it's about how, as charged. It's about how like if you go to to like. I travel to Japan sometimes, as you may have heard. And like there are lots of foods uh, enjoyed in other places in the world that are enjoyed primarily for their texture and have textures that you essentially never encounter in, quote unquote, American cooking. Yeah. I mean, like the piece starts out with jellyfish. Yeah. I I think that that the vast majority of white Americans, at least, would never guess that you can eat a jellyfish. Yeah, I remember the first time I had jellyfish at a at a Chinese restaurant and was nervous about trying it. And uh, I was like, oh, I now I, I see why people like this. Like, you know, it has a texture that I'd never had before. And it ta- it tastes only like what it was flavored with because it is you know, it's eaten as a textural food. So okay. anyway, I love ah. this article. It really, it's it's long and goes places. I think you'll really enjoy it and we'll link to it in the show notes. Great. All right. Well, our producer is Abby Circatella. Please sign up for Molly's wonderful newsletter, I've Got a Feeling, at uh, mollyweisenberg.substock. Stubstock. Stubstock. <laughs> at com. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. And hang out with other uh, spilled milketeers at uh, everythingspilledmilk.reddit.com. I just want so much for for there to be a cool nickname for our listeners, so so that <laughs> like when milketeers. so that when when uh, when we like uh, you know the revolution comes, we we can call them like the Minutemen or whatever. 
but not that. Uh, uh, okay. I mean, I, I think that they're probably going to be, well, they all have pitchfork rooms. They all have show? pitchfork rooms. They all have pitchfork I rooms. I do not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but, but I'm trying. Oh, it, I'm 100% it was a, on it was board. A reference... I give their pitchfork rooms a 10.0. 10, 10. <laughs> well, it was a reference to uh, the playroom in uh, in Fifty Shades of Grey. The, okay, but why were we talking? But I don't know why it was a pitchfork room. <laughs> was this on our, on our How to Build a Sex Room episode? No, Bonus this episode? was like. This was like five years ago. <laughs> Great. Okay. I'm glad. No, I'm, I'm glad. I'm sure. I'm sure it was a delightful bit. It will. It's like on the grape episode, which was literally a decade ago. I think. Um. I. I still remember you saying, "Behold, can you oh. hear the crunching of my seed?" Okay, but well, I remember that. But what did that have to do with pitchforks? I don't know. I'm just now. I'm just quoting things I remember. Oh, so, so that like, pitchfork room may have been a different episode. Oh, the pitchfork room was a very much a different. Okay, episode. the pitchfork yeah. room sounds like a really cool bar. It does, doesn't right? it? Like they'd have okay. like like cool like devils devil decor. Deviled eggs. We have cool deviled eggs. <laughs> okay. Okay. Maybe All right. we just call our listeners deviled eggs. You know, uh, actually, I would like I would like to get some spilled mail about this. Okay. Let yeah. us know what what you think the collective term for listeners of our podcast should be. Spilled milketeers. <laughs> yeah. Contact at spilledmilkpodcast.com. I did actually recently have a, a listener write in because because I came up with the term uh, Lily, which we we agreed never to talk about again. Um, <laughs> but, but, I'm, but I'm talking oh. about it again. Um, and, what was it again? Uh, a listener. Listener, a listener, uh, listener, I'd like, <laughs> listener, I'd like yum. Is it li- listener? I'd like to yum. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then, that was lilty. But this, this one, uh, this person described themselves as a listener, uh, Lily, listener, I'd like to yuck, which oh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to yuck any of our listeners. <laughs> no, no, our listeners are Unless yummy. that's what they're into. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Well, I'm Molly Weisenberg. And I'm Matthew Epsterberg. So, you know, <laughs> this is great so far, like A plus. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't know where to go from here. I don't either. <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 